Hey, Ruben. <laughs> I'm trying to get my deep morning voice on. I don't, I don't have a deep voice. This is voice. Ray. <laughs> you don't have a deep voice? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a screamo voice. You have a screamo voice? Oh, yeah. I could Sweet. do it, but it would peak out the audio, so I'm going to save everyone. The... We go early in the morning so that we can have a low, low voice. Hello, everyone. This is Ray. And I'm Ruben. And this is the Rabbit Hole Ramble, where we say the, the quiet, quiet part out loud. <laughs> We're so dumb, dude. <laughs> this is so bad. Oh, that's so funny. Oh. Uh, and then, man, I still want to say, let's get ready to ramble. Yeah, that was, that was a great. Boom, 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 boom. I think but we like our little quirky rabbit hole intro. Like, yeah, I think ding, what ding, we landed ding, on ding, is ding, better, ding, but ding, I do ding. like. I, do I was like thinking the other day that we needed to, um, kind of identify what rabbit we are. Those different kind of rabbits, you know. Oh no! So there's like the little, there's like a little cotton tail with a little fuzzy tail, and okay. then there's the, then there's the <clears> jack <throat> rabbit that's like tall and jumps, you know, really far, and mm. then there's the little baby rabbits, and then there's the. The, I, I was at a house in, in Georgia one time staying with a, a family, and they had a rabbit as a pet. And when I walked in the room, it scared me half to death, dude. This thing was like three feet tall, no. three feet wide. It looked like a little, I don't know, it was huge. Like and they a had a cage bunny for it. And so they kept it, and it would hop in the cage and hop out. And it was, it was like a dog, but it was a rabbit. But it was humongous, a big wow. round thing. So I was thinking we should like identify ourselves. And then my mind, of course, went crazy because i grew up in new mexico the first part of my life and they had this thing in different gas stations you can go to called a jackalope <laughs> have you ever heard of a jackalope no <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like a rabbit with horns and then it's super fast it's some kind of figment and so well, i'm like, like that's an who i am i'm a jackalope <laughs> <laughs> so is, anyway. ja is jack wagon a, a jack wagon that's a different rabbit so okay. we're gonna draw some drawings and we'll have a we'll have a post on instagram Here's Ruben, the jack wagon. Here's, here's Ray, the jackalope. <laughs> jackalope? I'll be like a little tiny bunny that's like pulling a wagon behind me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I can't so, do the tall rabbit because I'm short. I actually did look at it. You can't do the tall rabbit. You can pull, is there a bald rabbit? I mean, is there that? <gasps> like, a, like a naked cat, you know? Yeah. But I that's don't hideous, know. dude. Yeah, those things are it's those a baby, things freaky. A out. baby rabbit. They're like little, oh, little yeah. skin things. That's gross. Is that a rabbit or is that a, what is I that? I think they're, I, oh, maybe not. No. I'm, I guess I've never seen a, a rabbit have I babies. I have, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they're furry when they're born. Dang, idiot. All right. They kind of be, they, we they kind of look like me. I don't know why my mind's going here, dude, but I was in Costa Rica with Lily at this um, cloud forest mm -hmm. and there's all sorts of animals. There's, you know, toucans you can hold and there's like black panthers and there's jaguars and there's. Um, pumas and then there's monkeys and sloths and everything well they have this one section that's about snakes and right next to it there's one about frogs and Costa Rica has tons of different kind of frogs at the end of the exhibit there was these one frogs and they were big old toads but they were frogs and they had these like 
like a snout on them, like a little horn snout. Ugh. It wasn't a bone or anything, but it just looked really wicked. Well, when I was looking in the, the glass, because it wasn't any that were out there, were like, these guys are gross looking. Nobody wants to look at them, so we'll just put them here in the dark in this, in this little you know, glass-covered cage. So I'm looking in there, and when I looked down, it looked like there was a little baby pig, like a little pink pig in the, ca- in the glass thing with this frog. And this frog's huge. I mean, about the size of my hand. And in there's this little, it looks like a little pink baby pig. And I was like, what the heck is that? This frog jumps over, dude, and eats it. Like, no. Picks up this little pig-looking thing and chomps it down. And I'm like, Whoa! I mean, I was like a nightmare. And so I asked the dude, the, one of the park rangers, like, what the heck is this frog? And what is that little pink pig? And he goes, no, that's not a pink pig. That's a baby mouse. So a mouse oh. is born, and it looks like a little pig, a little pink thing. No, no fur on it, no nothing. And those frogs are carnivores. And I'm like, no. dude, that is stuff of nightmares right there. Nightmares, a carniv- carnivorous frog. That's like an old, like, dinosaur or something. Dude. Freaked me out. I might not be able to sleep tonight. So, I don't know why I'm I went there. But a <laughs> that was a rabbit frog. hole that I just, like, jumped in headfirst, but that was disgusting. <laughs> and so I told Lily, I was like, don't look at that. I just, like turned her eyes away she was real little and yeah, i was like don't look at that because yeah. her favorite animal was the pig and i was like eh. oh it's, it's a mouse <laughs> like it's a good it's, it's a fine. mouse it's good it's fine yeah, <laughs> just loosen one of those in your house oh, <laughs> this, this will take disgusting. care of your this will take care of your uh you know your your mice problem yeah i don't know but then you got a frog the lesser current, two evils was, oh. i think i might rather have mice running around well people say to take care of cockroaches just scorpions hunt cockroaches so just put some scorpions in your house. Well, then I'll have a scorpion problem. So, I mean, what, do I want a cockroach problem or a scorpion problem? I don't know. Just move. That's it. Because so you don't have to eat neither. <laughs> Drop a bomb on your house and just move. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Blow it up. When I was a kid, dude, this is taking me from thing to thing. When I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid they had uh, these, these canisters that were called bombs. And you could set them in your house. And you'd have to leave all day because you'll you would die if you stayed there. But they were like insect bombs, like roaches and oh, stuff yeah. like that. So I grew up in, in Central America and super humid roaches and, and insects all over the place. So every three, four months, my dad would get these bombs and then we'd have to leave the house for a couple of days. And so we're like, oh sweet vacation, let's bomb the house, you know. And so in my head, all I could think about was a bomb, like like a <laughs> like a nuclear bomb. Boom, you know. Well, if you see it, this thing sprays out. <laughs> And it gets in every nook and cranny in your house, this bomb. And then you got to come home and clean your house. Because then there's roaches everywhere. There's insects everywhere. There's this film everywhere. Ugh. Anyway, disgusting. <laughs> don't don't bomb your house. Don't bomb your house, yeah. Anyway. Unless you're going to bomb it and blow it up and then start over. <laughs> hey, I have a gift for you to start because I kind of misled you last time on our first episode. Oh, well, um, I like gifts. About my addic- addiction, remember? Okay. So I told you about these nuts, and then you told me what? Tell me about your nut story. Dude, <laughs> I was so ticked. So you you told me about these nuts that didn't have peanuts. They're super good, man. Which, okay, hindsight is, is twenty twenty. It's not, it wasn't your fault. So I, I, well, I owe you an, I owe you an apology. So I went in. He told me that they were only like eight bucks. You told me they were only eight bucks. So I went in there, and I was all pumped up. Here's, here's the truth, man. CVS listened to our first episode. And jack the prices before you went in there. They and did. Buy it. We are we're super popular. We we hit the we hit the, they the podcast. Us, they don't world want us to sponsor. And they they're know. just like, Yo, yeah, you're sponsoring us. We're not sponsoring <laughs> you. You're sponsoring us. Yeah. And I was like, crap. 
Oh man, we should approach CVS about a sponsorship, maybe. <laughs> Those nuts about nuts. nuts. Go nuts. <laughs> okay, yeah. So nuts too. I, I, walk, mean I walked in there, and it was like they were twelve bucks for the can. So I was like, oh, stinking Ray, he uh-huh. lied to, lied me. to he, me, or he was mistaken. And there, I, then I saw these yellow tag ones that you have to sign up for a CVS car. So it was this big old deal. And I you get out to my car. Away. Yeah. So I bought the smaller one because it was only four ninety nine. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll like, you know, get my fix of these mixed nuts with nuts without peanuts. And I get out to my car, I pop it open without even looking at the the thing, um <laughs> the picture on the bottle, I or the can. I stinking grabbed a handful of them and just started munching. And I was like, this tastes a lot like peanuts. And I look at the thing. And you look down. And it, and sure enough, it's got peanuts. 99% so I, peanuts. Yeah, 99%. Yeah, I shook the can gotcha. to be like, well, maybe maybe it was like a mistake and there's just a couple peanuts in it. No, that thing was filled with peanuts. So I took them back and the lady was very gracious with me. I said, I, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't like peanuts. Oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> that was my cue to stop talking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was just a test to see if I could do that. Oh, man. I just, I, so I took them back and she ended up doing it. And then I just ended up buying cashews because they didn't have the ones that I wanted. Dude, and I was mad at Ray. We should have gone together because I was like, maybe you, I don't no. know. It was. It said it on it. The abound. ounces were right. Abound, the so, brand, everything. So you told me that. The was that yesterday? Can, you told it was me 12 that. Twelve bucks yesterday. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna go. Did to you CBS. go back? So I went to CVS. Was this it twelve bucks or eleven something? So eleven ninety nine, I think it is. I now, but you. if you're a member, it's got a little sign underneath, and today it's nine dollars. Now yesterday or last week it was eight, so I guess they're just like creeping up the price. But so I bought you a, uh, no way. <laughs> I bought you a ninety-nine percent peanuts. No, I'm just kidding. I no, dude, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I bought you a deluxe mixed nuts, sodium free, no peanuts, the big one. Oh, and I yeah. put my card number in my right. CVS card number, and I got it for nine bucks. You're the man. So it's still cheap, man. man. I mean, even twelve is cheap. You got to be honest. I would, I would say that, yeah. But I had it in my I mind. Know, I would say I know. this is. I would say this is worth twelve, twelve dollars. So CVS, if you're listening to us, I think you have it priced right. However, I had it a price in my head. That, it was misinformation, not yes, from you, but from my friend. Yes, from my friend. So <laughs> my friend lied to me. Uh, we still love you, CVS. So please sponsor us. <laughs> They're not even listening. They'll never. No, CVS will never hear this. So here's the thing. Um, Thank false you. advertisement. Thank Sometimes you, it's not the actual source. You know, this happens a lot. You, okay. you hear something from some, about someone or something, yeah. and all it is is misinformation. So those nuts are yours. You don't have to share them. They're all yours. I got my own. See? They're cheap enough that I got my own. Ray, you're the man. I appreciate you. So. You can hear it in the mic. Oh. It's a full can. This has a, a full can. And, and this has some different nuts that you normally don't get in a nut. No, and I love pistachios, pistachios. and the bald, the bald uh, almonds. I resonate I with I those. Don't know who sucked that skin off those almonds? But <laughs> oh, dude, dude, that's terrible. <laughs> it is so good. I was, I had this, I had this image in my head. I like, I said I resonate with the bald almonds because I'm bald. <laughs> and then you said suck the skin off, and I was like, I just got this picture in my head of somebody sucking these big the lips. skin off my head. <laughs> these huge lips are like on your, on your, on your skull. <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> that's Terrible. I can't describe. <laughs> Just sucking the hair off like a vacuum cleaner. Dude, that's Zee. gross. No, that's gross. <laughs> well, you just said it about peanuts I that did, we're about to but eat. 
it's, or almonds. I, when I look at these almonds, they're surprisingly like shiny and, and like my smooth. Head. I know. I don't know how they did it. And they taste good. So all I can think about is there's Ray, either these little monkeys. You should my head see if it tastes good. <laughs> oh, you sicko. <laughs> Like our last last episode, you're the one that likes to lick ketchup and crap off oh, your hands. Oh, no. I didn't touch it. I didn't put it in my mouth, right? You think it maybe look like a grosso. Uh, that's funny. Uh, no, but I was thinking, okay, so how do they get these almonds so smooth and without the skin? Like, is there little monkeys that just kind of nibble the little <laughs> skin off? Or is there some people picking them and sucking on them? I don't know. I don't get it. But they're good. Know. Those are the best ones, actually. Those, I'm going to try to, to block be, all to that straight, out and just eat them. <laughs> Like those to are be, the best ones. To be like trans, uh, transparent, my favorite is those sucked off almonds. <laughs> I mean, those are the best ones. <laughs> the bald almonds. <laughs> you can only say this on a podcast where we say the quiet part out loud. That's the only place. Oh, it was in your, that was in your head, and you just let it out. So that's good. <laughs> well, it's weird, though. Look at them, dude. That's I know. surprising. The, the, I thought it was random. The first time I saw one of them, I was like, oh, this guy just lost his skin. <laughs> but then there's so much of it in there. It's like, this I don't like the skin ones, skin. man. I like the bald ones. The skin ones, I just get through them so I can get to the bald ones. <laughs> well, the skin ones, yeah, they like leaves residue on your teeth, you know. But the yeah. bald ones, they're just straight. It's oh. good. It's oh. real good. <laughs> okay. Just get through the other ones so you can get to those. Holy wow. crap. And right. moving on. Okay. Well, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, also, uh, Ruben brought me a cold brew. Dude. Yeah. So here how, I am sipping on some cold brew. Yeah, how does it how does it taste? It's not my best work, but it's good. What kind is it? Speaking of, well, yes, it's, dude, dude, this is it's perfect. only thir- it's fourteen minutes in. 14 we're minutes finally in. we're getting to our, to our sponsor. sponsor. We're getting to our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually uh, it's not uh, it's Amarillo. Okay, I, yeah, I thought you were gonna so. say, oh, it's um, it's Starbucks coffee or no. something. <laughs> like, no, whoops, it's uh, I, I needed to put the Amarillo uh, roast. I needed to put that on top of the Starbucks because. You know. Oh yes, because we can't. They're not our sponsors. No, no, no. You know who is our sponsor though is Coffee, Coffee Slingers. Slingers. So shout out to Coffee Slingers. Thank you, Isaac. We need to write them a jingle. Team. Let's write them a jingle right oh, now. We should. What's Coffee Slingers Roasters. Okay, so Coffee <clears throat> Slingers Roasters. I'm not a good singer, so. Oh man, let me think about it. We'll think about it. We'll come up with a jingle. Yeah, we'll we'll, have we'll, to, we'll create we'll, a jingle for Coffee Slingers. Next episode. An unofficial jingle. Next episode. <laughs> unofficial they'll, jingle because yeah, you can be like. Uh, they'll never no. use it. No. But I made, yeah, so I made some cold brew. I bought a coffee sock. The up is slingers in your cup. Nice. Just stole that. Yeah, we just stole it. <laughs> we'll have to <laughs> over that, too, because we'll get kicked off the you internet because that? we're super popular, oh, come on. you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so many people listening. Folgers is going to be like, uh, you stole our jingle. Yeah. Well, it's a good jingle. Isn't, is, doesn't there's stuff better like, if there's something's been out for so long, doesn't it like kind of... It's open source. Roll, oh, open source. It's open source. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. It's Deal. an open source jingle. We Let's just it. steal it. <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, so anyway, this is Amarillo. Cool thing about Amarillo, I've been to the plantation, the farm. Which is in Guatemala, in right? Guatemala. And this yeah. actually, Amarillo, is actually where our Project 19 is. Socorro. Oh, cool. So Socorro is a little community right off the um, coffee plantation. And a lot of the uh, people that live in that community uh, work in the, the the fields, the coffee fields, different capacities, doing different things. Um, one of Project 19's projects is to help the school, the local school, okay. with education, with um, uh, food, and with health, and then also uh, with um, hope uh, through Christ. And so we have this project with um, um, with coffee slingers, 
the church, and anybody that wants to get involved uh, called Project 19. So anyway, Amarillo is, it's a weird, do you know why it's called Amarillo? No. So Am- Amarillo, which that's the American way to say it, but the, the Spanish way to say it is Amarillo. So Amarillo. Amarillo, the double L is a J sound, so Amarillo. Amarillo. And, ami- and Amarillo is yellow. It's the word, is the, the, the word yes. yellow in Spanish. I knew that color because yellow. I learned my colors. There you go. In high school. Rojo, amarillo. Rojo's red. Yeah. yeah. Negro. Is black. Blanco. Is white. Celeste. Oh, I don't know that one. That's light blue. That cheat, I cheated oh, on you there. I, 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 I tricked you. Azul. Is blue. Anaranjado. Ooh, that's orange. Yep. Nice. Rosado. Pink. Ah, see, look at you, man, flying. Anyway, Dude, I'm learning Spanish. So amarillo is the word yellow because if you know anything about coffee, most of coffee plants, you look at the plant and the beans, the cherries that are there, they're mm-hmm. normally red. Yeah. So they're normally red cherries on the plant. Well, amarillo is actually yellow. Oh. And so well, if I can find a picture, I'll post it on our Instagram. But there's a, there's a yellow version or a yellow line of coffee cherries Mm -hmm. and so amarillo is that so they're a little bigger um they're really distinct taste so it does a good cold brew it's really nice really nice thanks for bringing that in yeah no problem so if you want to order your own amarillo go to coffeeslingers.com no what is the website coffee slingers roasters no dude why am i not prepared for this coffee slingers Dot com? Yes, coffeeslingers.com. Which is what you said. So That's you what were I right. said, so I was you know, right. So I should have not doubted myself. Forget all the doubt and just go with just it. Just go to coffeeslingers.com. By the way, on coffeeslingers.com, landing page is red cherries. So they have an order ahead. You can do an online store. If you're in the OKC area, make sure you st- stop by and see Isaac. He's the man. See yeah. all the staff. All the staff are awesome. Yep. So. Super, super kind, very generous individual loves loves the community he's got yeah. cupping things you could do if you don't yeah. know what cupping is that's <clears throat> tasting the coffee how to, how to taste coffee he has this roaster right there so he has days i think mondays he roasts and it's really cool yeah it's pretty cool to see the process it's yeah. a really neat it's awesome see the green the green coffee the before they roast it it's just yeah. a different experience those bags i'll tell you what those bags are heavy oh yeah oh yeah the cool. uh coffee cherry by the way next time if i ever take you to guatemala have you been to guatemala I have on a mission trip, but not for. Did you go to coffee we plantation? Did. Yeah, or we went to a did plantation. Did you get a coffee cherry and pop it in thing? Uh, yes, actually, Ooh, I did. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is it's like a, a very, nectar. It's like a yeah, yeah. It's like a nectar. Yep, it's a, it's pop a, it in a there very and it's sweet. sweet taste. Yeah, yep. Does not taste like coffee. No, not at all. <laughs> Nor does it look like it. No, it doesn't. So <laughs> then I don't you're know, like, I don't know who was the first one to say, "I'm gonna roast this for a bit." Yeah, Put it in and water. see what's inside there, and then throw. I know it on, there's a story, so you coffee people just you know don't <clears throat> get upset with us because we know there's a process from, yeah. you know, from Arabia, so we get it. But I think goats were the first ones to find coffee. Goats. I don't know, dude. A coffee ramble. Do you know why? You know what, what happens to a, a coffee? Rabbit? Dude, it was a rabbit. That's why they're so fast. We just solved it. Rabbits found coffee first that's why they're so stinking fast they and, evolved into coffee drinkers i mean coffee eaters that sentence just gave the last 20 minutes of this episode purpose <laughs> <laughs> now you know a coffee plant is actually a tree and if you don't 
trim it, it'll grow into a big, massive, like oak looking tree, big old really? huge thing. And then the berries are bitter and they're gross. So you got to keep them trimmed real short, like, like six feet tall, six to six to eight feet tall is the most, is the biggest you want them. Wow. So anyway, There's a lot to learn. All right, man. Well, that was coffee slingers. The, they're awesome. So order online, order in person, go see them. Yep. Thanks guys. Um, so with the today being our second episode, and we're pros at this, you know, we're, we already know what we're doing. <laughs> oh yeah. We got it. We got it all figured out. We're super, we've hit the, we've hit the podcast world and you know, we it's got, basically all downhill from here. Yeah. It's basically we've peaked. <laughs> we've, we've peaked with like, <laughs> episode one <laughs> with 10, 10, 10 listens. Or 10, yeah. yeah. I, think I don't know. 27 dude. 27 listens. Yeah. I don't know what our metric is. Just like, okay. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. You guys can figure it out. Um, I want to give you some structure. I say structure. This is like a non-structured thing. Uh, but I want to kind of give you some future, like what we're going to do on the, on the, on the podcast. Um, instead of just rambling every single time about whatever comes to our minds, right. we were going to give some <clears throat> rambling within a context. And so, um, we want to talk about leadership stuff. We want to talk about relationship stuff. We want to talk about our minds and anxiety stuff. We want to talk about, um, we, we thought about doing a theology thing, like a theology mm -hmm. ramble and mm -hmm. just basically pick apart some theology, theological point and uh, poke holes in it and then rebuild it. Um, there's a, there's a buzzword out right now in Christianity called deconstruction. Okay. Yeah. And so deconstruction people, when they talk deconstruction, what do you mean? What do you take that to mean, uh, Ruben, when, when someone says deconstruction? Well, I, to, to take apart to, and I think some people, um, and I've maybe been guilty of this at times, but not to destroy, uh, but simply to deconstruct with the purpose of rebuilding. Okay. So we talked about this I you know this idea a, uh, a while back that when in gardening when you pull um, when you pull weeds yes. you're also on uh, pulling some good stuff that needs to be replanted. And so um, as we kind of talk about this that stuff will um, which I don't think we're talking about that this episode but um, when we get into some of that stuff, I want to be careful to, as we maybe deconstruct, to replant some of the things that need to be there, that are good, that are helpful, that are yeah. uh, filled with joy and hope and point us to, uh, to to Jesus and who he really is. Well, and a truth. And I, yeah. I think when I hear deconstruction, kind of tell your point exactly right in line with what you're saying, is that when I hear someone talk about deconstruction, because of the culture we're in, it really is just a tearing down. There's no building up yeah. and there's never a rebuilding of what's proper and good. It's always mm -hmm. a deconstructing or taking out the pieces of the things that affected me, whether positively, negatively, yeah. and kind of working through them and asking questions, but then never rebuilding anything. So to your point about the plant and the garden, um, we just did a, a thing last summer for our, during COVID. One of the things we did was redo our garden bed. Yeah. Brother-in-law came over and he had kind of this vision to do it. We turned it into a rock garden because I hate, <laughs> I hate weeds and I hate picking stuff. Yeah. And so we did a rock garden and one of the things that we did was pull up weeds. Well, along with the weeds were our flowers and plants and, and things because it just looked like a mess in there. Yeah. And so as we were pulling out the bad stuff, the good stuff came with it. And one of our conversations last year was we should always replant because if we don't replant, it's just a bunch of mud and nothing. There's nothing there. And so when we talk about deconstruction, especially on, a, on an episode or maybe a, a podcast where we're going to talk about theology, we want to pick it apart to take out the weeds, 
but we always want to replant and rebuild something like actually construct something because, um, scripture, I mean, according to scripture itself, it's, it has all the answers for these existential problems we have. Um, one of the things I've said before, and, and we've talked about this as far as like the Bible doesn't tell you everything. And so mm. when I grew up, it said scripture has every single answer. Well, the older you get, the more you realize it actually doesn't. Um, like, for example, the Bible scripture, God's word, does not tell you how to build a car. Like, it doesn't tell you to get this hose and to get this spark plug <clears throat> to have gas. It doesn't tell you how technically to build a car, but it tells you how to drive a car. So when you're driving down the road, do you have patience? Do you have love for others around you? Do you have self-control? And so the scripture doesn't tell you how to or what it takes to build something as far as a car, but it does you to tell you how to operate it. And so when we look at scripture, we need to make sure that we're not telling people every single answer you'll, or question you'll ever have is you'll find there. I think scripture talks about the, the, the man. It talks about the heart. It talks about the disconnection of God. It talks about God's plan and purpose for your life. Um, but there's people that think, okay, I can't be uh, reading scripture faithfully and be a lawyer. Or I can't read scripture faithfully and be a doctor. Actually, you can. Yeah, wow. It's not going to teach you how to go to school and, and learn the technical things, but it'll tell you within the context of God's purpose for your life how to be one. Yeah, how to be a... A Christ-following. Christ-following. God-following, God-fearing. God yeah. Doctor, yeah. Right. And so, there. yeah, I think there's like some uh, like specific things that are, you know, uh, specific to your field of study or whatever, right. or just your life in general. I mean, we're different people. We do different things. We enjoy different things. Um, but I think there's principles found <clears throat> in God's word that talks about, you know, like you said, the, the heart of man. And I, I think it's interesting because when Jesus was asked the question, like, what's, what's the most important yeah. commandment? Like, what's the, like the big idea is he was able to say two things love God and love people. Yeah. And you're like, what? That doesn't make sense. And so if we <laughs> filter everything through those lenses, yeah. then I think there's the how to like, so how do I be the, the, the question is not, how do I be a doctor, but how do I be a godly doctor? Like, how do I be a, a, um, a doctor who follows Jesus within his field yeah, and who understands field? that there's a, um, God that loves me and has purpose and has prepared things for me in front of my path. Yeah. There's a, there's a difference. Okay. So, so here's the quiet part out loud. How many churches and Christians can you say love God and love people? So if that's the two things Jesus said, mm -hmm. do people actually experience that from other Christians and from the church at, at large? Hmm. Could it be said that that's what church is about? So I'm just talking about at large. Because I mean, some think, of the most unloving people and some of the most ungodly people are Christians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's been my experience. Yeah, and I've I've ran into them. I've I've encountered them and experienced them. I'm sitting uh, across the table from one of them. Yeah, for <laughs> I'm just real. Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm capable of, of doing some damage for sure in the name of Jesus. Well, me too. Yeah. Um, and and so I mean, it, it's a, that, I think that's a loaded question. That's a difficult question to. Well, that leads answer. right into what we want to talk about today, which is mm -hmm. narcissism. Oh yeah. So, and it's a perfect segue because 
And I thought you pulled up something. Do you want to read something? Well, yeah, I was just saying it or looking up what you talked about even on Sunday okay. was yeah. the John 16 passage where he says, when this, uh, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's truth out there. There's truth that we can land on. So going back to kind of the pulling up the, the weeds, it's not the idea of like, I want to deconstruct my faith so that I, I like, cause the temptation is, you know what? I'm done with this. Like, I'm I'm just gonna I'm walk out. away. I'm out, <clears throat> and all you're left with and is it hasn't worked. So a I'm bedrock out. of dirt. Right. And so, um, I think it's important to really seek the the spirit and to seek um, so if truth. You, if you didn't know what an oven was, and you had never seen one modeled growing up, and you never like in your oven, your mom kept her Tupperware and her plates and utensils and you never saw an oven turned on, and all you thought in your head was, the only thing that this thing in the wall for is to stick my 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 utensils in and my like plates and stuff in. Mm. You never saw it. It wasn't plugged in. It didn't ever function. It just uses you would grow up thinking, I don't need an oven. I don't need that because I've got cabinets. I don't need to put, I don't need this so I can store my stuff in it. Wow. And then someone comes along and they, and they pull all the stuff out so they pull the plates out and the Tupperware out and the utensils out, and then they plug it in, and then they start using it to cook food. It might mess you up. And I think a lot of people with their faith in our in our culture right now, they've grown up in a society or in a household or in a in a country that doesn't quite understand what faith is and what Christ did, and have been using it as a storage unit for relig- religious things. And so when someone messes that up, they say, I don't need that. They just cut it out instead of asking questions, being curious, plugging it in, trying the settings, taking stuff out, having something melt in there. Once you test an oven, you find it being almost indispensable, right? For your house. Yeah. And that's what faith is. And that's what Christianity is because I think we have never seen it properly used and properly exercised in someone's life that all we think about is, oh, that's just a storage thing for abuse, legalism, and um, religious activity, which none of us need. <laughs> so right. why not walk away from that? Yeah, and um, but there's been times where I have seen it used in the proper way. Like right. it's been plugged in and demonstrated for me, and those that's what I long for. Like You went I, to your friend's house and you're like, <clears throat> holy crap. We've used it for storage, and they've just brought out this awesome cake. Yeah. Or these cinnamon rolls. Mom, can we do that? (laughs) And so that's your pursuit. And so if you equate that to faith, I think think that's where the deconstruction slash, you know, conversation is. And the spirit of truth, the the very thing that Jesus himself promised is that I'm going to go away. It's better for me to go away because the spirit's going to come. He's not going to just walk with you. He will be inside you. And as you open scripture, he will lead you to truth. So we don't know what we don't know. And unless we ask questions and search, we're never yeah. going to know. So if we're scared to ask questions about our own faith and scared of what's outside of our faith, mm-hmm. I think we have a pretty shallow faith, like a weak faith. Yeah. And because God's not afraid of our questions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the purposes for this podcast, even in, in our lives, is to say, like, God's not offended by our questions. He's not, he's not afraid of them because he like, we, we, I think sometimes we're afraid of questions 
because we don't know. <laughs> yeah. And we're afraid to ask somebody a question because it will expose our ignorance. Mm. Or we're afraid to ask somebody a question because we've been on the other side of what we're going to talk about, narcissism. And that is to say, I, as like, I have everything figured out. And if you don't, you're an idiot. <laughs> and you get, you get met with this like, come on, like almost like the spilling the milk thing that we talked about or spilling the water thing that we talked about last episode. That's how we get, we get met sometimes with our questions like that instead of a loving, gracious response that is willing to teach people and willing to walk with people through their curiosity and through, through their questions. And I think that's what Jesus did. I mean, you look at the disciples and they had tons of questions And Jesus almost... And they were jokers, man. I mean, they had all sorts of foolish things that came out of their mouths. Yeah. It's easy for us to look at the whole story and be like, those idiots. But I don't know how much... We probably have been a lot stupider than they were. Oh, I'm sure. I know I would have. So, um, narcissism. Yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned a minute ago that when people encounter Christians, the church... Sorry, I'm chewing on my awesome nuts. I meant the these this deluxe mixed nuts, Ruben. <laughs> I'm posting a picture of what you look like right now. Snap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I'm eating nuts, Ruben. So there you go. <laughs> He's dying over here. <laughs> Moving on to narcissism. <laughs> Is that narcissistic or what's happening Maybe. right now? <laughs> Probably could be. Uh, I'm chewing on my favorite nuts. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, sorry, back to this this idea is that when when we're confronted with a Christian or a Christian leader or the church mm-hmm. and we feel that there's no love there and we feel that there's no um, love for God even, like something's wrong, I wonder if it's bo- it boils down to this whole narcissism thing because narcissism there's a little narcissism in in everybody right everybody has tendencies of narcissism but when you're you're listening to a book called when narcissism comes to church um what are your thoughts about what narcissism is like what is the what is it you're trying to avoid yeah i mean um when when i think about and maybe a different way to frame it up is just the basic word uh that even scripture would use is pride okay um And that's what I, I think of. And when I, even when I think of that word, I think of pride as an outgoing, uh, or or an exterior pride of like somebody who's like, man, I'm the man, I'm, I'm, I'm God's gift to this and that. And I, I know everything I've, I've figured everything out, but we were talking the other day and you kind of brought shed some light on a different perspective, which I think is the side that I fall on. Cause I'm not necessarily the guy that will like, I, I'm people may not know this about me. My wife calls me a high functioning introvert. Um, because there are times where I'm like, if I'm hundred percent honest, I'd rather be left alone. Um, and just sit in a quiet place, but because of ministry and I think even supernaturally God has, um, called me to something different. And so because of a supernatural love for people and a desire to see people find and follow Jesus, 
um, I think I put myself out there more than I would if I, if I was in a different context or even in a different position. Yeah. Um, so you brought up a, a perspective of narcissism in the way of like almost martyrdom. Yeah. Like, um, well, there's a, there's for me, there's always extremes and I, and I, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious because I, 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 I analyze and I, I watch people and I see how people take because I'm different. So I know when I interact with the world around me and people around me, I have a way that's natural to me and my, um, my analytics of it. And when I mm-hmm. kind of process through it, it, I have my own way. And so if we're not careful, we think everyone does what we do. Uh, that's narcissism, which means that I'm like the, 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 the copy, I'm like the original and everyone else is a copy. Okay. And Whoa, so yeah. narcissism, like the definition, I just looked it up real quick is like excessive or erotic interest in oneself and one's physical appearance. So that's like the simple one. But if you keep digging into, um, in psychology, it's extreme selfishness with grandiose view of one's own talents and craving for admiration Uh. as characterizing a personality type. And so someone that's flamboyant, someone like what you described, like outgoing, someone that's the center of attention has to be the life of the party. Look at me, look what I can do. I'm so good at this. Um, then there's another one that's a self-centeredness. And I think what I was talking about with you the other day was there's another extreme. Everyone has extremes. Um, we're either in or out, or maybe we're stable in the middle or whatever. And so there's another view of narcissism, I believe, which means I'm a victim and I want you to see me as a victim. I'm basically a martyr. Like, look at me because I've done all these good things and I've been super humble about it. <laughs> so yeah. we look at ourselves in the, in the mirror and we look at other people around them and, and we ask ourselves, why don't they see how humble I am? Why don't they see how um, submissive I am? Why don't they see all the work that I've done? Why don't they see? And it's basically the, the other side of the coin of narcissism, just like wanting to be the center of attention for all the good things we do. We also maybe want to be at the center of attention for all the, all the good things we do quietly. But then also think about this. What about people that are attention seekers when they're really sick? They get sick over and over again. They have a, a, a tendency to be always sick. Because it's like one extreme to the next extreme to the next extreme. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone that has major sickness is faking it. That's not what I'm saying. Right. Um, or is a, um, what's that called when they... Um, like a chronic... Uh, like a chronic, yeah, there's a, there's a name for it. Um, Basically crying wolf over their health, but it's, there's something like that. So I know there's people that... Yeah, hypochondriac, yeah. right. I know there's people that have chronic illness and chronic sickness, chronic pain, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that always need attention for the bad things that are happening in their lives. So uh-huh. they go from one chaos yep. to the next chaos to the next chaos to the next chaos, and there's always something happening chaotic in their life. I think that's some kind of narcissism, too, to continue to grab attention. So I'm yes. a middle child, and middle children have a tendency to try to get attention through bad behavior. And so you have the older child that is like the model child, the one that everybody waited for and everybody dotes over, and the parents are super protected of. And then you have the youngest, the baby, and everyone loves the baby, and we know it's the last one, and so we overdo it on the baby. Well, then you have the middle child, and the middle child is almost like a forgotten child. Now, that's not true, but let's just say in context, middle children feel forgotten many times. Well, a middle child will many times be the most rebellious, be the loudest, be the most destructive, be the most chaotic, because they see older brother or sister getting all the attention, so they want some. They see the baby getting all the love, and they want some. And it seems like and I'm a middle child, so I can say this, we are quiet rebels. And so we'll get to a certain point where we'll get rebellious, you know? Um, 
I left home and got a tattoo. And so it's like those little things that are like quiet rebellions are things that are normal for a middle child. And if, and if I think if we think about our world and every personality, we have attention. We want attention, whether it's positive or negative, all attention is good, you know? Hmm. And so narcissism falls into that camp is that I want attention. And if I can't get it by being the best, I'll get it by being the worst. Whoa. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? That's an, yeah, that's an interesting... Because neutral doesn't get attention. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Um, and I think it, it, it would show up in my life. <clears throat> so here's what's, here's what's crazy. Like, so this is me saying the quiet part out loud and really naming some things that I, I think I battle with uh, on, a, on a daily basis. So because I'm not like... Even in sports, I was never the best at anything. <laughs> I dabbled in a lot of stuff, but I was never, I got cut from the basketball team, so I played intramurals. I got, uh, you know, I was on the baseball team, but I was never like the lead anything. The water boy. Was like, there, was, <laughs> there was like, no, and I wasn't quite the water boy, boy either. Like, I mean, I got playing time and I was good at certain positions. By the way, so water got, boys are awesome. They keep everybody hydrated. Come on now. That's true. They're the, they're the real deal. They're the real MVP. They're the hero. Um, because without water, you wouldn't be able to play at all. That's right. So, um, but I think I find myself in that middle ground of like, I'm not super good at anything. And so here's my tendency. And this is where it shows up most, I think in my life. And this is kind of new. Um, I don't know if you would call it revelation or like just analysis, self-awareness. Yeah. Self-awareness, uh, in, in my own life is to say, since I'm not super good at anything, what I want to attempt to do is to become uh, like a martyr, so to speak. Um, mm. And I use that word loosely because I know that there's people that are dying for their faith and like that's martyrdom or something that they believe in. So, right. but I want a to, I, I want to become uh, the victim. And here's, here's a crazy thing. And I told you this the other day, there's part of me that almost hopes that something bad will happen to me so that I, people can say, oh my goodness, that happened to you and you've still been able to accomplish all this. So it actually almost elevates the, the averageness of my life because it's not like at such a high achievement. Like people aren't looking at my life and be like, man, you are awesome. Like you've accomplished this and this and this. But I've lived, a, you know, I think a quiet life and just, I'm just living, you know? Mm -hmm. And so since it's not this like way out front out there, my only, my only attempt to make what I've accomplished and what I've been able to do and what God's done through me is to make it grandiose, is to have something terrible happen so that people can focus on the terrible thing that happened and be like, oh, wow, even in the midst of that, you've been able to accomplish this and this and this. That makes and it elevates sense. it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, <clears throat> like how many times have I done that or even thought that, you know? So, hmm. and, and still on that, in, in that same vein, like it is for me an extreme form of selfishness. Like I want the attention to be on me. When I, even in, in my discipline of my children, sometimes it's like I discipline not because, and this isn't every time, but I'm starting to notice some of these patterns in my life that if I, sometimes I, I get onto my kids 
not because they've really done anything wrong, but because they're an inconvenience to me. And it makes you look bad. In that moment. (laughs) It makes you look bad in that moment. (laughs) Or out in public, like they're doing something that I perceive people are thinking in their minds, or Uh, I project a thought onto them that says, who are these kids? Whose kids are these? And then I try to correct their behavior, not because I even feel like they're doing something wrong, but because I've projected on the crowd or on the people that I'm with that they're thinking, man, these kids are crazy. Whose kids are these? So part of this uh, psychoanalysis definition, it says the failure to distinguish the self from external objects. And that's what you're describing right now is like everyone is looking at me. My kids are throwing a fit on the floor. So it reflects me. And so I'm the one getting negative attention and I really don't want this attention. So I'm going to correct them. Even though if all truth be told, you want to be throwing yourself on the floor too. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Many times. And it's because they haven't napped or processed lunchtime or whatever. I mean, there's a reason for things. Bizarre. I, I think, um, I think that is so everyone this uh this we want attention but not necessarily on a stage yeah where everyone's looking at us but we want enough attention in the back of people's minds to give us a thought that we're doing something or accomplishing something that they like them at a boy yes he's awesome when i think about him i think of a awesome person yeah that's i think that's what everybody wants and there is an innate there's like an internal desire to be known yeah and i, I think I that's agree. the god-given internal desire for people to know us and to be known, but there's a line we cross when it becomes so desiring to be in people's minds that we that we fail to disconnect the reality of, oh, I'm I'm just one more of a seven billion souls and humans, you know, and yeah. every single one is slightly different, every single one. Um, here here's here's where it, it scares me um, in our vocation because we we lead people, uh, we are pastors, we mm-hmm. shepherd people. Uh, to the best of our abilities, we're not perfect. My 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 tendency, and this is my thoughts, is like, okay, so narcissism. When when narcissism has a platform, it's worse. And so when when someone is continually in front of someone else or people, a group of people, narcissism grows without you knowing it. It's like in the dark. And you add to that our specific platform, which is um, interpreting scripture is almost saying thus says the lord it's almost like a narcissist is attracted to a platform but then also attracted to can you imagine a narcissist that now says god said yeah it's like and he said it through me this is from god and i think we grew up in a in a culture that says um we pray before services god speak through me uh god take control of me let me be just your your vessel. Let, let me, me hide behind the let cross. Let me hide behind the cross. Yeah. And so we automatically in our prayer project onto the people that are listening that, okay, it's them speaking and yet God is speaking through them. So I better listen. Even if we don't say those words, but if I say something like take over, you take control, blah, blah, blah. What we're saying is I really didn't prepare anything. And at this moment, God's going to like audibly speak through me. And unfortunately, in church world, this has become a problem because pastors are many times narcissists. Um, It attracts narcissism. And so pastors many times do say things in a controlling, in a look-at-me way that God says. And as soon as anybody disagrees or as soon as anybody asks a question or as soon as anybody has a different opinion, it attacks and it threatens the character that just got off stage saying, this is what God said, right? Right. 
Uh-huh. And so I think narcissism, this is the, the part that's really hard to deal with because you have to, I don't know, I don't know exactly what the steps are, but you have to surround yourself with people. You have to watch your language. You have to watch the words you say. Um, you have to be careful that it's Jesus and not you. You have to make sure that it's like, okay, this is my opinion. <laughs> you know, this is my opinion with this. For example, even on Sunday, it was like, okay, God can do whatever he wants. I'm not going to put him in a box, but here's three experiences I've had. And so right. these are the things I've learned for myself and they might work for you or they might not. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's, it's almost like being bold and not bold at the same time, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, even clarifying that to say, Hey, this isn't like, this isn't thus saith the Lord. Right. This is me trying to walk this journey of following Jesus and trying to model something that hopefully will be helpful to you as well. Like, and, right. and this it, is what and I've learned. Not, and yeah. And I think we can walk through scripture. We can, we can look at the context. We can, uh, you know, talk about what it says, but at the end of the day, each individual is responsible for following the spirit. Or like it says in, in John 16, um, mm. you know, the spirit will lead you into all truth. And so like we, I think we make these very black and white heart and draw these hard lines of like, this, this is, is right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and my personality is drawn to that because, um, maybe not drawn to that, but it wants everything to be black and white. Right. So right. I've been on this lifelong pursuit to be like, okay, what is right? That one's done. So is, I can move on to the next one. And yeah. that one's done. I can move on to the next one. I'm building my house. And if anybody takes that brick out and changes it, I'm screwed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that's been some of the shaky things, uh, uh, in my, in my journey. And like you said, like a shallow, almost like a shallow faith. Um, and I've realized because it can be rocked, especially if they're oh, foundational things. Like exactly. if you've built a foundation on things you've settled in scripture by your interpretation, mm-hmm. there's always going to be some Bible scholar, some pastor, some theologian that's going to come on and rock your world. And then you're like, well, that was my foundation. That whole wall went down. Right. <laughs> you know, and, instead and that's of, the problem. That's probably the my... deconstruction problem right there. Right, because, well, the, the deconstruction, but the foundation, I think, so what are we building it on? And even scripture talks about this, like, Be you know, build your house upon upon the rock, not upon sand, um, because when the waves and winds come, like, it'll it'll be destroyed. And I, like, maybe I'm pulling that out of uh, No, but it's true. Context, it's a foundational but, thing. And if you build a wall on a preference or one verse that you cherry-picked out of the, mm-hmm. out of scripture— you're messed because there will be a thousand other verses that speak against it. Yeah. There'll be a thousand other verses that will contradict that one quote unquote contradict. And so the rock, the foundation, the cornerstone, what is it? There's only one thing. It's Jesus. That's it. And, but in that, even in that, like it sounds so simple. And you said this several weeks ago and you said it a couple weeks in a row. You're like, man, you, you may think that all we talk about here is Jesus and it's Jesus this and Jesus that. And, but that's really all we have to, to <laughs> we stand got nothing on. else. It's like, there's nothing else. It's like we're simple folk. All we know is Jesus. You know, it's like the Sunday school answer. That's all we know. I don't know what that accent was by the way, but. <laughs> <laughs> and do we, and do we believe that, that Jesus is enough to be the foundation right. so that all the other like deconstruction, as you would say, happens that the foundation's still there like and maybe the narcissism in us doesn't want to be rocked because then we'll find out that we made a mistake and then we'll have to admit to it and so if i'm not really sure about jesus and if i'm really weak and shaky on jesus i'm going to always invent another foundation 
or maybe the narcissism shows up in the way that we want to be the foundation or we want (laughs) our, our rightness to be the foundation of like, because if I can prove that I'm right, somewhere along the lines, my rightness becomes the foundation in which I build everything else. And so other people's that, faith. Yeah. And so when somebody confronts that, it's met with anger. It's right. met with like just harsh words. And who do you think you are questioning this? Like, because mm-hmm. we've built it on something that can't stand alone. Jesus can stand alone. The foundation, the resurrection of Jesus and the power that we gain through the resurrection of Jesus and our faith in him can stand alone. And so we can actually take our hands off the wheel and not be mad at anyone and not be uh, like be in this constant uproar when people confront and question. And and then we shut down curiosity because our foundation is us. Our foundation is a a preference or a belief that we've found to be right, quote unquote, and I've built everything else on that. So when someone comes against that, they're my enemy. They're not my brother. They're not my sister. And guess who that sounds a lot like? Me. I know. No, but I (laughs) guess I'm talking about even, even beyond us. Who does what you're describing sound a lot like? Satan. Oh. Sounds like him. Well, and he wanted... He wanted to be the foundation. The worship. Right. And he was booted out. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was like, not "Mm." today, Satan. Yeah. (laughs) Boom. And it's like, that. I think we tend, and I think this is the part that nobody wants to admit. We we think we're either following God or following Satan. The truth is we follow ourselves. But ourselves, the path of ourselves is way more like Satan than like God. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's where it comes. So, so here, here let's, let's stop for a second. Let's think about when has something in your life been confronted, something you held, like mm-hmm. scriptural, theological, something was confronted and you actually had to change, like some point. And maybe I'll go first and then you can go because I already have something in mind. But okay, you go. It's like... Yeah. When is there a theological point or a practice or some kind of thing you did that was confronted by someone or an experience, or maybe you came to yourself and you're like, oh, that was wrong. And we're talking about years in the practice, and then you had to change. How did you process that, and how did you go about changing? So here's, here's mine, and I've, I've shared this not necessarily in an open forum like this, but here's, here's a big one for me. Um, I grew up in a very um, independent, fundamental Baptist um, environment. Um, my parents were first generation Christians. They had other family members, kind of, uh, maybe great grandparents or whatever that were, that were believers, but then there had been a loss in their generation. Uh, my mom's side was uh, Catholic. And so they'd grown up very traditional, um, not relationship with Jesus, but very traditional in a Catholic sense. Good people, great people. Uh, when they both came to Christ, there was like this domino effect. Well, anyway, we were, we happened to be, my dad happened to, my mom and dad happened to come to Christ in a independent fundamental Baptist group. And if you know anything about the the group, they are very hardcore and and stuck in certain theological points. And there's extremes, there's Baptists that believe different things, but one of the one of the lines or one of the threads in independent Baptists is a a group that believes in the bride of Christ. And that the Baptists are the only bride of Christ. They're called Baptist Briders. Uh, with that comes a theological um 
kind of a, a stretch that the Baptist church can be traced all the way back to Jesus. We can actually trace it all the way back. Um, then it's like, we're the only ones that are going to be seated at the table with Christ. It also says that this group will be the only ones that understand the true church. And so there's a, there's a lot of debate in it and it's a very prideful, narcissistic thing for the group. Um, when I was a kid, um, my parents weren't that extreme, but we were in the bubble. Okay. Um, and one of the things we did and practiced was the Lord's supper once a year on a Tuesday in Holy week. So whenever Easter week was Tuesday, which is the night, the last supper, and there's a lot of talk through this, so we can, we can get into that later. But, um, the landing was once a year, members only closed, only members of the local church came together and did Lord's supper Okay. on that one time a year, Tuesday of Holy week. Okay. And so it was once a year, if you missed it, dude, you got to wait for another year, you know? Um, and so as I was growing up, it was like, I was so convinced about it, committed about it. It was always a special time. It was the, was one of the most awesome times of the year. Cause you actually got to celebrate the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus with your family and friends in the church and celebrate the supper together. And so it was always a special time growing up. It was almost the thing I looked forward to most every, every year. Well, then, uh, fast forward to when I was a teenager um, I started kind of thinking, I was like, man, if we miss, if someone misses this one, they got to wait a year. And some people, this is such a big thing because there's this unconfessed thing, sin thing. There's a examining yourself thing. And so I was like, why do we do it once a year? So I had a conversation with my dad and he kind of walked me through it. And I was like, okay. So I went off to college and I happened to the church I joined, happened to do the Lord's Supper once a month. And me and my pride and narcissism, <laughs> I don't know if it's narcissism, but me and my pride and arrogance said, I refuse to t partake every month of the Lord's Supper. I'm not going to do that because it's not right. Okay. And this wow. was a Baptist church in the independent Baptist movement. It was, it was, it was a, a fellow church, but I was like, nope, not going to be a part of it. So I would wait for one a year, once a year. Well, I only stayed there a year and I missed the one time that I was supposed to do it. So I went a year without <laughs> taking the Lord's Supper. I joined another church and they did it quarterly with a, um, kind of a, a dinner for new members. Okay. Okay. This is four times a year. That's slightly better than 12 times a year in my head, you know? And so four times a year, that's good. Well, then I went to a church that it was back to once a year and I was like, okay, now these guys are biblical. These guys are right. You know? So I'm in this weird mo moment trying to figure this out and I'm rambling to tell you a story kind of where this led. We went to Costa Rica as missionary, started our first church, um, had celebrated with the church I grew up with two times during the Lord's Supper that Tuesday mm -hmm. for, for Holy Week. We get to our church where we start and... I decide, oh yeah, we're doing it once a year. It's going to be Holy Week. It's going to be this thing. Well, Holy Week comes and it's a big thing in Costa Rica. It's a very big, big week. A lot of people travel. So half of our church was gone. A lot of people that are there want to visit a church. And so we did Lord's Supper on a Tuesday night. It was dark. It gets dark at 530 in Costa Rica. And we had a house full because we were in a house at the time. Visitors and church members. And in my head, I was like, now I've got to go around and tell all these people that came to celebrate the Lord's Supper that they cannot because they're not part of our family. They're not part of this local family. And what did I do in that service? I went around and had a personal conversation with each person that was not a part of our church and told them they could not partake of the Lord's Supper. And when the night was wow. over, I felt so terrible because they had come with their families and they'd come with their friends to enjoy our church, brand new church, and missed out on that one opportunity for the Lord's Supper, and it wrecked me so bad. Those people never came back. Like, those people that never came back, um, they never even would talk to us again. And I thought, okay, so what would Jesus have done in this situation if he was here and he was celebrating 
the the supper with the people. I think he would have been like explaining what it is and inviting people into a relationship with himself and and celebrated even with unbelievers what it means to celebrate the Last Supper. And that experience rocked me to my core that I walked away 100% from my strongly held beliefs. And Christy laughs at me because she goes, you were writing a book. I was writing a little pamphlet about how to do the Lord's Supper properly. This <laughs> is so stupid. Wow. And so I was writing a booklet, writing a pamphlet, and I was going to share it with all my Joker friends that didn't know what they were doing. And that moment, that experience rocked me. And God was like, dude, you're cutting people out that I want a relationship with. And in my head, I was like, man, I might have messed up their chance. Now, God's bigger than that. He can do what right. he wants to do. But that changed my strongly held theological viewpoint that it was once a year and only for close, up close members. And so now, when do we do the Lord's Supper? Whenever we feel like it. <laughs> like here, we actually have a station set up that anybody can do it every week if they want to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to go up and check someone's salvation card to see if they're going to take it or even the membership card. I'm not going to do that because that's up between them and God. And we're celebrating the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So who am I going to contain that and control that? So, wow. So anyway, long ramble story about a, a change that I had made theologically that I held dearly. And it actually cost me some relationships, not only from people that I said no to, but also people that were in that camp. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I don't know, there's some theological things, I think, and part, some of them, uh, for me, I'm still processing through. And so I don't know if it's, uh, good or bad to talk about them or not. Sure. One of the things that, um, and then there's some preferential things. So for example, but preference has become theology. Uh, I think that's the danger. Uh, okay. And this is an example of that. So, um, there's this external like behavior modification that we attempt as, you know, ministry leaders and even, um, like just Christians, I think in general, like we've, we've somehow mapped out in our mind that says these are the benchmarks or the, um, the exterior looks or actions of a true Christian. And we've, we've kind of <laughs> quote unquote like, fruit. <laughs> yes. We, yeah, we've mapped them out and we're like, well, if you don't do this or if you do this, you are, or aren't a Christian. And there's like, you know, the verse that talks about that I think gets ripped out of context all the time, like a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And you're like, oh, oh, like I can't even associate with these people. Um, it's a long way to talk about what I'm talking about. Like, so there was a, a lot of this at, at growing up and even the church experiences that I had were a lot about behavior modification. And all the while, like I am a rule follower. Like if you give me a rule, you give me a playbook, you give me instructions. You're talking about like, so it, Ikea, dude, one of my favorite places because <laughs> they have these long stinking one instruction corridors. Yeah. And you can't go backwards, dude. Oh. You go backwards and you're That's screwed. why I like the store too, because there's one oh, way. Yeah. In these instruction booklets, I mean, you're talking about like pages on pages on pages. There's no and escape And it comes in this and... tiny little box and you're like, <laughs> how is that going to make a dresser? I don't know. There's like 5 million <laughs> steps, but I love it because there's an instruction booklet. There's a right way to do it. And so because of like my my tendency to like be a rule follower, I followed all the rules mm. exterior, like on the exterior, you would look at my life and be like, wow, he's got it all together. You checked all the boxes. hundred percent. 
But on the inside, there was always this sense of like, there was, there was this deadness. Like there was, I was not connected spiritually to the father and to say like, I've never trusted him as my savior. Um, I sure look like I have according to the definition that people have given me of what it means to be a Christian. Um, but one of those was like, um, pants, like I, or I couldn't wear shorts growing up, like for, for the longest time. I actually, uh, at one point my mom, like my mom loved us and she was a, a great mom. She would do anything to like, you know, um, make us happy, so to speak. And so you, so, didn't, you didn't, sorry to pause on you. You yeah. didn't get to like in the summer, take those jeans with the holes in it and cut them off and wear them as jean shorts. No, I never Dude. wore jorts. You had to patch, I you never had to patch showed up. my legs for Ooh. the longest time as a kid because it was preached and taught that like, if you wear shorts, you're pretty much going to hell. And so it was like, what to try to avoid that? Well, you got to do this. Okay, well, I'll do that. And so yeah. there was always something more to be done. I found myself in my backyard uh, one time in a kiddie pool swimming in jeans and a t-shirt because I couldn't wear shorts. And so, um, Holy crap, you know, man. running around in the backyard as a, as a little kid, um, Welcome. chafing because Welcome to I got Baptist wet Church. jeans. Yeah, exactly. And so there was a lot of dress involved in that. And then tattoos. I even had a guy at a church that we uh, we grew up in tell me, my, my dad actually grabbed us by the hand and walked out of a church because the preacher from the pulpit, from scripture, taught that if you wear wire rim glasses, you're living in sin. And my dad had those like old school, like aviator, you know, uh, glasses that were wire rimmed. And he was like, well, well, like, what do I do with this? Like, here I am wearing them in the middle of this crowd and the preacher from the pulpit is telling me that I'm living. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about the looks that you get like, oh, that guy, he must be living in sin. And you're like, what in the world just happened here? We got up in the middle of service. And I remember that's one of the vivid memories that I have. We walked out of the church and I was like, dad, what, like, where are we going? I mean, I wasn't paying attention to the sermon. Uh, I was little and he's like, well, uh, apparently I'm living in sin because I have wire on my glasses. And I was like, what? Like it didn't make sense as a kid, but I remember it vividly. I had a guy in our, uh, a church that we grew up in as well. Use the verse about like your body is the temple. Don't defile it. And he had it. He even had a tattoo and he goes, this is one of my greatest regrets in my, my entire life. I defiled my body by putting ink on it. He goes, make sure you never make the same mistakes that I I love it. Yeah. And, and I'm like, so, and he showed me and he goes, don't ever, uh, defile your body because your body is the temple of the Lord, which that that verse is talking about sexual immorality and uh, all this kind of stuff. And it has nothing to do with tattoos, but he There's used all sorts it of other for things that. in there too, that we don't follow. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, some of those things, like as I think about them in, with an adult mind and I'm, I'm like, so what? when are we going what to get happened? a tattoo? That's what I'm asking. When are we going to get one? I don't know. I've never found anything that I like. <laughs> I, I, I have this fear in my, uh, in my life that like, I'm just going to get old and fat and everything's going to sag. And so I'm like, well, that I ask myself when I think about getting a tattoo, I'm like, will that look good if it's saggy? And that's kind of my context for whether I put it on or not. You'll get a straight arrow and then it'll be a curve when you get older. Yeah, I got to put it it on like a a part of my my body that doesn't have much skin, like the back of my hand or something. Your head. Oh, yeah. I could could tattoo hair on my head. No, just tattoo something up there. 
It'll never sag, dude. Yeah, I don't know. It could. Let me shine that thing. Oh, uh, perfect. Yeah, it'll be awesome. I'll <laughs> shave it so much that eventually the tattoo will wear off, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> seen that stupid tattoo with the guy pushing the lawnmower up on his head? Have you seen that? That. That's this it. This guy's pushing a lawnmower on his bald head. That's and so it's like amazing. where the hair's growing. You know, it's like. <laughs> I need to do that. I need to do That's that. hilarious. Um, well, I mean, I, I. Okay, so how did that change today? Because that, the, the truth is, we grew up. In church, if you didn't grow up in church, this may mean nothing to you. But you may come into a church with a bunch of rules, and you'd be like, "Whoa, we got a bunch of rules." Mm-hmm. And our desire is to please God. That's really our initial desire is to please God. And if we have a bunch of rules to follow to please God, and that's what it means to please God, we just rule God right out of our relationship, right? Yeah. So what do you, so how are you processing that? What's changing, or if, is anything changing in that? Because you grew up, you had to wear jeans in the pool. You don't do that now, yeah. And you don't have your kids do that, so something changed. You mm-hmm. don't. Uh, you wear wiring glasses. I, I see them on you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 has changed and what is changing, and how did that happen? Well, the context in which of, of what it what it means to be a Christian mm-hmm. that someone at the at the very base level is someone who has put their faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, like okay. and and have trusted Him that what He has done for them was good enough to actually accomplish rescuing them from their sin. And so people can do that that have tattoos. People can do that that wear shorts. People can do that that wear all kinds of a variety of glasses and, and all these things. So I look at these exterior. And so growing up, I mean, talk about just this, uh, heretic's not the right word, um, Pharisee, man. Yeah. Like I would well, look fear upon, of messing up though. Yeah. Not only did it create fear in my life, but it caused me to look at a, a culture and a society that didn't look like, act like, talk like the way that I had been taught yeah. and condemning with my thoughts of like, oh, there's no way that dude's a dude, that, that dude's a Christian because he's got tattoos. Mm-hmm. There's no way that dude's a Christian because he, and, and, and then smoking and drinking and all this stuff, you throw in like these hot topics. And I remember, here, here's what's crazy. I remember having this thought as a kid, I saw someone that I went to church with. I was sitting out in the car. I was old enough to stay in the car by myself. My mom had ran in, uh, into the store. I'm like, I'm remembering some junk from my childhood. This is crazy. Uh I've never, I don't don't even therapy right here. Therapy. Seriously. So my mom, (laughs) trauma. Yeah. Uh, my mom had gone into the store. I'm sitting in the backseat of the car and I see someone from our church walking in and as they're walking in, they're puffing on a cigarette, and th- and th- and then they threw it on the ground, stomped it out, and walked in the store. Here was my thought, and I remember very distinctly having this thought. <laughs> I thought that guy was a Christian. Oh, snap. And I equated exterior behavior and what someone looked like with Christianity and following Jesus. For some reason, there was a bunch of smokers in my church as a kid, and so I had to wrestle with that every Sunday, dude. Every Sunday there was someone smoking in the parking lot, and every Sunday was like, maybe today they'll find Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's like, that's approach, terrible. Your approach becomes not like pointing them to Jesus, the, the only one who can rescue them from their sin their and soul, grant right? eternal their life, soul. like worried about their soul. I want to introduce them to Jesus so that they'll stop smoking, not so, so that he'll rescue their, their heart from sin. And I'm like, this is ludicrous. 
And I don't know that what is the exactly switch who the was. Jews were waiting for was a Messiah to fix the external problem, not the internal one. Yeah, and governmental issues yeah. and things like that to set things right. And instead of the kingdom of our heart being transformed, like we're looking for this, the kingdom of our own little world being transformed, Dang. and we want it to look like this perfect Straight little community. like we've been talking about. And I'm, I, dude, Pharisee, I was narcissism. a Pharisee of Pharisees in my mind. Like, yeah. and people, and, and here's where it, it gets crazy, and I think that I've had to really do some some deep work on is that my response to those people in my heart and in my mind is anger mm. because who are they to claim Christianity, to claim following Jesus, and they get to do things that I've been told my whole life that I can't get, so therefore they're my enemy, I'm angry with them, and they're taking liberties that God didn't give them to take, and I'm there's no love there. Because you really wanted to do that stuff maybe? I think so. And get like, away with it. And and in God, my, you're giving them a pass. Come on, send fire on them, like John and James. <laughs> yep, this just straight <laughs> condemnation. And uh, it was interesting. It, it was brutal as a kid to like grow up and think well, those it'll mess things. You up. It really messes you up. And I, well, it, I think, and in a lot of ways, it's I've seen how it's messed my my parents up. I had the opportunity to go back and um, uh, officiate my sister's wedding, which was a huge like just blessing and uh that's cool it was it was a great experience and i got to after i've processed through some of these things i got to sit down with my family and say like okay because they both uh well uh to my knowledge they're not involved in the church uh my dad uh has kind of just gone without because of his experiences and and after talking with them i was like i had I had compassion for them because, and, and, and almost like a deeper sense of love for them mm. because I realized they had been damaged along the way as well and told a false gospel. And they tried their whole lives to keep up and to get their kids to keep up too. How exhausted were they as parents? trying to keep up with all the religious rituals and things that you had to do in order to prove to the people around you that you were a Christian instead of just following Jesus. And then add and that's in, how you we, had, we had six kids, or I'm, I'm one of six, and you think you add that pressure on top of it to get six kids to follow Jesus in the same way that you've been taught to quote-unquote follow Jesus, and your life's a nightmare and I'm like oh my word well and maybe when it comes down to it you're describing that none of us are that good no. and that's where the anger the control the manipulation comes in because we're we're trying to manipulate people to do what we did because we think our way is the right way and Jesus says I'm the only way and it's like I'm the only way to the father but we want to create a way to the father by our behavior yep and so it's experience it's actually walking with our kids through the gospel um, seeing them mess up and loving them and walking them through the gospel. Um, I was with Max last year, like two years ago, we were at a like at a uh, serving thing in the community, and we were picking up trash and limbs and cutting stuff. And one of the guys on the team went and smoked a cigar. Mm. And and I've never said anything to Max, yay or nay, about smoking, drinking, none of that stuff. It's just that in the culture we live in, the church culture we live in, there's these assumptions, and maybe he's heard it, maybe he's just seen that nobody does. And when he goes, oh, does he smoke? And so he had a, we had a whole conversation. It was really good because he was young, and it's really good to have a conversation with, okay, yeah, that's not evidence one way or the other. 
And so when I was growing up, it was like, maybe they're not going to hell, but they smell like they've been there. You know, it's like the, the wow. words that people yeah. said made you say that was bad. Instead yep. of really getting to know the person, instead of really getting to know what they were processing, what was in their minds and how they're going through it. And it's like, it's interesting because it's not a sin. It really isn't. It's a personal choice. It Could it be damaging? Sure. Yeah. So is eating Twinkies. I mean, it's like there's mm-hmm. choice. So, so when I see someone eating a cookie, I don't say, oh, they must not be a Christian. Yep. <laughs> but when they're eating or when they're smoking, I think, oh, you know, I used to. And not anymore. You got to know the individual. I think processing individual people and working through it with people like your parents and like my parents and with my kids and with the late, the people that I said they couldn't have Lord's supper. It's like those things, those are personal experiences. Check your theology. They make mm-hmm. you ask, did this work? Yeah. Because Jesus said, love me, love others, love God, love others. That's the greatest of all commandments. Mm-hmm. Why did we add in love God, love others and wear long pants, make sure everyone's perfect, make sure no one smokes and make sure that, you know, make sure they live up to the standard that you created. And it's a cultural standard that's Western. It's not even a world culture standard. Yeah. And so it's like, if we want to be perfect Jesus followers, let's go practice Judaism. (laughs) You know, it's like, where does it stop? It never ends. You know, this self-perfection never ends. And so it's a benchmark that ever moves and we're never going to make it there. We're never going to arrive. And it only produces inward to me, for me in my life, it's only produced inward and outward anger. Yeah. I, inward anger toward myself because I can never measure Can't up. Get it. But I, but I try and try again. I try to be perfect. You know. Um, and you keep figuratively whipping keep, yourself. Yep. To you know, psychologically whipping yourself. Yeah, to because do you're like, if you did this wrong, like there's got to be you gotta you gotta almost. It's there's something like really, deeper wrong with you. Keep it's really going. like, uh, is it what's it called? Masochist. Yeah, masochist. Like, like. I got to punish myself so that somebody else doesn't punish me or right. that God doesn't punish me. And so like it's, and Jesus is over on I, the cross going, dude, it's all on me. What already, are you doing? Already yeah. took it. Already took it. And so that's the inward anger. But then the outward anger is like, I work so hard to achieve this level of spirituality and perfectionism that, and, and I don't see you trying very hard and so, so I'm, I'm mad you at you because you still get, it's like that story in the, that, uh, where the workers are working all day. And then these, these, these randos come at the very There's last jokers end, 30 minutes and, before the day's over. Yep. 30 minutes before the day's over, they come and they all get the same wage. And these people are ticked. They're I've been like, here all day long, all slaving day. in the yep. sun. And it's, you apply that like yeah. a spiritual truth to that. And it's like, man, I've worked my whole life to achieve this spirit level of spiritual maturity. And here you are living your own you life. You snuck in, man. You barely you, snuck in. And you love Jesus and you, you got in by the seat of your pants, so to speak. Yeah. And instead of loving that individual and celebrating the fact that God is transforming them and their heart and the fact that they that they trusted that what Jesus did on the cross actually accomplished something for them let's celebrate that no 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 we can't celebrate that because i'm angry with them <laughs> that they get the same reward of eternal life and and, and to enjoy Jesus forever by living a, a different way than i have been taught that i needed to live yeah that's good and it's it's spiritual a, anger, man. That's that's interesting. That's a that's a topic we should explore a little bit because I, I think there is a lot of angry Christians, and you're probably right. It's probably because of that. Yeah, it's because of the, yeah. Well, the and rules. it's exhausting. I think it really is. So in 2017, 
It was 2017, September, I think, 28th. It was a Thursday night. My wife was in Michigan. I was reading through, um, I think, Luke chapter 4. I think it was Luke chapter, or maybe Luke 8. And he talks about, like, where uh, he opens the scrolls and he reads through, like, this um, from Isaiah. Like, a guy came to rescue the oppressed and to um, give sight to the blind and... um, all these different things. And I read a commentary, which then eventually led me to Matthew chapter 11, where he says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. And I just remember sitting there thinking I was reading a commentary. um, I don't even remember who is by now, but he talks about, he says, these are all spiritual conditions that they, that you don't have any ability within yourself to change. Um, to be blind, I can't make myself see again. To be uh, like, I can't rescue myself from oppression. I can't, um, you know, do some of these things that it's talking about. And I realized in that moment, I had been working my entire life to try to save myself. And I just, I opened up my hands, sitting there on the couch in my living room in Owasso, Oklahoma, and I just said, Jesus. I trust you with my life, with my eternity. I trust that what you did for me actually accomplished something. And I'm no longer, I said, I'm tired. I'm no longer going to try to achieve this on my own, but I'm going to allow what you did for me on the cross to be enough to rescue me and to give me eternal life. Wow. And it's just like, um, and from that moment on, it, it's well. There's something transformative that happens. Changed. Yeah, there's something transformative when you recognize that. And I didn't, we didn't know this this episode was gonna come to the end with a gospel presentation. But that's what you're doing. Is like Jesus said, "Come to me, all who are tired, heavy laden, burdened." And those were religious people. He was talking to religious people. Yeah. Have you tried it all? Have you done it all? Are you done? <laughs> come to me and throw it on me. Yep. And it was almost like I had I I came to an like the end of myself Mm. and I recognized I've done everything I know to do. I've followed all the rules, all the religious leaders in my life, the, the, the pastors, the, you know, the, the godly people, quote unquote, that, that have been over me and had authority in my life and, and even influence in my life have Mm -hmm. told me to do, I've done everything. I've read my Bible, strive to read my Bible all the time. Was I perfect? No, I didn't read it every day. Did I pray every day? No, there were days that I went without talking to the Lord. Um, but even when I did, it was an attempt to like, just do the right thing rather than to enjoy God who had freely given of his son so that I could have life. Oh, and I wonder if that's why so many people won't even start the faith journey because they've seen Christians worn out. Mm. They've seen the list of rules and they don't even they can't even swallow or even grasp how to put all that in their lives. Yeah. Cuz what it took us a lifetime to do, they think I don't have a lifetime to do that, so I can't become mm-hmm. a follower of Jesus because there's too much work. And Jesus is the very thing Jesus came to stop. He said, hey, I've done everything. Just relax. Just rest. Um, and we're not saying this is a license to live like a heathen. I mean, that's not what we're saying. What mm-hmm. we're saying is there's peace in knowing Jesus, and there's peace in letting him pay it all. 
I don't need to pay anything. It's all been paid for. Yeah. It's settled. It's done. Yeah. And you sense in your spirit when you're striving hmm. versus when you're enjoying God yeah. and enjoying it. The Psalms talks about delight in his statutes and in his commandments. Find delight in them. And I'm like, man, I can't, I can't delight in something when I sense that it's an attempt to earn something. Right. But I can delight in something when I do it because I know no matter what, he loves me and he's for me and he's with me. And so because I know he loves me and he's for me and he's with me and he wants the best for me, the reason that he's asking me to obey hmm. is because he knows that it's best for me, not because he wants something from me, not because he's trying to manipulate or to get me to act or, or, or look or talk a certain way. But he says, when you obey, you will experience joy hmm. and I can delight in him because I know that he loves me and wants nothing from me, but wants everything for me. Hmm. And maybe that's the, maybe that's the, um, the, uh, end of deconstruction or the, the purpose of deconstruction is to tear out that stuff. And if your foundation, the last rock or the last stone is there, if it's not Jesus, you need to plant Jesus and then build. Um, and deconstruction yeah. is let's get rid of all the crap. And I think, one of the things in church culture um, that we can admit to is that people by the hundreds and thousands are walking away that have grown up in some Christianity, some form of it, and they're walking away because no one ever sat with them and actually helped them deconstruct and rebuild a foundation on Jesus. Hmm. And that needs to be our goal. Our goal is that. And so I know people, I've heard of people, there's famous people, there's singers, there's musicians, there's pastors that just have walked away from their faith because they say they've graduated beyond it or they've gone beyond it and they realize that, oh, it's not, Jesus isn't the only way or whatever. And I think a lot of it is because when you're worn out, stressed out, overwhelmed, overburdened, the only thing left to do is walk away. Mm -hmm. If you can't throw it all on Jesus, all you got to do is walk away. And I, and I, and I kind of wonder if that's deconstruction that needs to happen to rebuild on Jesus narcissism within church leadership and churches and Christians in general to say, man, I don't have it all figured out. I, I'm hum I need to be humble and realize that I can change my mind. Yeah. And if I change, if I change my mind or even change an opinion or change a theological view, it's not a personal attack or a personal, it doesn't say anything personal about me. Yeah. It just says, Oh, maybe God taught him something different. Nor does it mean that I don't love Jesus. Oh, like, yeah, I think exactly. we equate the two of like <coughs> having it all figured out and having all the Dang. answers and yeah. being on the right side of the fence, so to speak, Dang. is equi equal to loving Jesus. We yeah. think, oh, you only love Jesus when you have it all figured out. Right. And Jesus says, in the midst of your chaos and not having it all figured out, I've figured it out for you. Yeah. And that's why he says in Romans, he says, he goes, Though we were dead in our sins, or uh, that's Ephesians, but he talks about like, um, why is this slipping me? Romans uh, five eight. Hmm. Um, while we were yet sinners, yeah. While God you were put sinners, his love, commended his love. God demonstrated his yeah. love for us by yeah. dying for us, even when we were sinners. Even when you were a sinner, and he didn't ask because anything because you were a sinner. Yeah. Didn't like, ask anything because of us. Yeah, and to recognize that, I think it's a it's a foundational principle of the gospel to come to a place where you understand you are broken. Yeah. You 
don't have it all and I figured think it's out. The, I think there's a balance between you're broken, but you're not worthless. And no, I think we yeah. equate brokenness, fallenness with worthlessness. Yeah. If we were worthless, God wouldn't give us any attention. Mm. But we're worth something to him. Well, he and paid so the highest price. A lot of Christianity wants to break us down to be like we're just trash holes, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we're worth something to the creator. He wants a relationship with us. He's not just throwing us away. He's not discarding us. There's we value were, in us. And we were worth the highest price. Scripture right. said that he paid the highest price. So like, that's not pride. That's simply the facts that we were worth, are worth something for the God, the creator, to actually pay the ultimate price to redeem us. Yeah. Something who, there is valuable. And who better to place value on something than the creator of it? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so we might have came to the end of that hole. I don't, I don't know how we got there, but <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's a rabbit hole we that took there. us to the gospel, which is awesome. Yeah. What a place to end. Um, so I, we, I wanted to do some sections like, Hey, what are you this? What are you that? The only, I'm going to ask one question. And so what are you are watching right now? Are you watching any shows? Are you, um, is there anything on Netflix or anything on, I don't, you may not even have Netflix. I don't know, but is there anything you're watching on TV right now? And maybe you don't want to say, just say pass. No, I the fifth. <laughs> no, there, there's really not right now. We're, we're actually looking for uh, a show. Somebody told me about, I think it was a, a guy in our church on Sunday told me about a show called alone that I might check out mm-hmm. where they, they drop, drop you off in like in a remote nowhere. place and you got to kind of just figure it out. <laughs> so stressful, uh, man. I, stressful. I think it's on Netflix. So I'm going to, I'm going to look into that, but currently we don't nothing. subscribe to I'm Netflix. Not. What are you talking about? We're not heathens. We're not, we, we know Jesus. Yeah. We don't what? give them our money. What? I mean, huh? Somebody, somebody, somebody sponsors us so we can watch Netflix. That's right. <laughs> That's <kidding>. right. <laughs> We have to be in touch with the world, you know. So. If, if you want to, if you want to come alongside the Rabbit Hole Ramble podcast, you can pay for all of our TV subscriptions. Hey, hey. dude, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Netflix, um, any takers? Any takers? Any takers on this uh, ever increasing price of Netflix? Yeah. Hulu, YouTube TV. I will take a YouTube TV subscription if anyone's in the in the I, area. I've, I've looked into share it. it I did me. the trial, and it's almost it almost got me, man. Dude, it's good. If you want to, if you want to split it, I'm in. Okay, is that legal? Yeah, can we say you that can have six, six, lo- six logins. Well, maybe we can. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's legal. You can have up to like three unique logins and six users at a time or something. Sweet. We'll just do a blood pact and so we're family. And we'll just like yeah. do I'm blood, pricking my finger right now. Yeah, Here okay. we go. Dink. <laughs> we're family. Right. We're, we're the family of God. Okay? Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a, was it called a Christian what? Jesus, Jesus juke. That was a Jesus you were, juke. You were juked. Jesus juked. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm watching a couple things. We always run out of shows. We don't know what to watch. Yeah. Um, I'll hit the I'll hit the the chosen again, dude. I'm telling you right now, the chosen is awesome, and I've watched a couple of the episodes twice, and it's just so good. So, chosen. If you haven't watched the chosen, you got to yeah, you got to watch I, it. I'm There's not all app. the way caught you download, up. Yet. Download the app. It's just a different perspective on story of scripture. Really good. It brings Jesus down to a person, which is awesome. Um, so, uh, that's what we've watched. I'm also watching a couple other things. You know, this is us is always something that Christy and I would watch. It's way too close to home, way too close to reality. Um, you know, you watch TV sometimes to escape reality mm-hmm. and this is us is all real. It's like oh. all straight stuff we've gone through. We've experienced adoption and loss of pe- friends and family. I mean, holy smokes, talk about too real. So wow. too real. Yeah. 
Um, so with a couple minutes that we have left, I was going to, um, I, I promised right up front that we we're going to talk about the categories, kind of the different rabbit holes we were going to go in. Mm -hmm. And so one of the rabbit holes is theology, which obviously we beat that one today, I think. I don't know how theological we were or how many holes we poked into it, but a theological ramble. Uh, yeah. I, I'd like, I think we should do like a family ramble, like talk about our families, kids, maybe things that happened with them, things we're learning, uh, things we're processing through with our, our kids and family. Yeah. Um, I, I this morning I asked, uh, Google how many chapters were in the Bible. Um, and one of the things that I was thinking about doing, um, there's, uh, 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Uh. And so I did the math and that's 3.25 or two, six years. Okay. So I thought about myself. I thought maybe if I could um, read one chapter a day to my kids in a matter of, what, 3.25 years, I would have personally read scripture to my kids. So anyway, I thought about that. Um, that's interesting. That's something that I'd like to do. We're reading a book right now called Theology. Okay, cool. Um, and it's like a children's book, but it has theological principles woven into it and scripture oh. and it's it's been cool my kids have been excited to read it because cool. it's like a storyline that's cool pretty cool so anyway um i'd like to have one about family and then i want here's one i'm really excited about i want us to have a science rabbit hole and so i want us to do a ramble in science and so a lot of times people accuse the church of not being scientific and not not believe that to believe in God or science, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. And I think there's a faith and reason, there's a tension between the two. I think there's an agreement in between the two. I have a really good friend that's a microbiologist. He may not be a really good friend after he listens to a couple of our episodes, but he's a friend <laughs> of mine and uh, he's a microbiologist. And I called him last week and asked him if he would consider once a month or maybe every six weeks or so coming on uh, the rabbit hole ramble and discussing science. And so talk about evolution, talk about microbiology, talk about. Um, Adam and Eve talk about stuff that seemingly is contradictive in science and theology mm -hmm. and then teach us you know because we're both of us um, aren't the most academic um, but we have brains that we can process and learn so I said hey bring it down to a kindergarten level and uh, we'll ask questions and so I thought that'd be really cool and he's he's game for it so we'll be introducing that as well and that'll be a fun as part of our fun ramble, hole so. to jump into yeah fun hole to jump into hopefully we get out of it <laughs> we'll see so, um, all right. Anything else that, uh, any other categories we should do? If well, you think you of any, just email Just us. write in, yeah. yeah. And how can people contact us? Hey, we have hello at rabbitholeramble.com. Hello at rabbitholeramble.com. We also have an Instagram. Right in. You can, yeah, you can comment or uh, direct message us on Instagram. Drop the we'll DMs, to... slide the DMs over to oh, uh, yeah. at rabbitholeramble. That's a... Uh, That'll be fun. So you can contact us in those two ways if you have ideas of things that, uh, or we're calling them rabbit holes that we should uh, maybe dive into and or, or jump into. Fellow rabbit holers. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you've made it this far in the podcast, thank you. There's like <laughs> half a person that made it this far because they're not really listening. Yeah. They're, just <laughs> they're like, waiting for the ding, 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 just to yeah, cut us off. You just know? to be like, oh, finally, they're at the end. <laughs> So at Rabbit Hole Ramble on Instagram and then hello at rabbitholeramble.com. Two ways you can get a hold of us. All right. Sweet. Sounds good. Let's get ready to shut this thing down. Shut her down right uh, now. Peace. Peace out. See you next time. I keep Maybe. saying that. See you, you next say, time. See you next time. You can't yeah. see anybody. No, I know. You can see them with your ears. I'll hear you next time. You'll speak oh, to rabbits next time. have 
huge ears. That's basically how ears. they see is because they feel the vibration so much. And they yeah. hear the rumble. Is that a rabbit or rabbit hole rumble else? or rabbit ear hole rumble? <laughs> we can't add to our title. It's too long. The rabbit hole ramble <laughs> saying the quiet part out loud. What is it? No. With Ray and Ruben, where we say the, the quiet, quiet part, part out loud, loud with rabbit hole ear holes thunder slash rumblings slash yeah vibrations <laughs> sound sound waves we'll start another podcast called the rabbit ear rumble Ooh. <laughs> and then it could be the theme song to, or like that's that is that about beach pop boys culture. good vibration hey, that's is good. That like that's yeah like we it. can yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be good what's the what's pop culture telling us i'm 40 and ruben's 30 we know nothing about pop culture <laughs> <laughs> i'm bald so oh i'm disqualified suck that hair right off your head <laughs> Go get some nuts. <laughs> Go hey, get these good sucked off nuts. Un- <laughs> Unsalted deluxe mixed nuts. Go get buy, them now. Buy a bound at CVS. They are $12 normally unless you have an account and sometimes they're on sale. The account's free and you might get spammed here and there, but yeah, it's I signed up it. for it's it the other day. Bucks. I haven't got spammed yet, bucks. so I'll just unsubscribe when they send it to me. What's cool is when I bought this this morning, I put in my number and it said, no account found. And it's like a little self-checkout they have there now. Mm-hmm. No account found. And I was like, oh, I wonder if Christy has one. I put in her number and they found her. So she's so getting she the spam. gets spammed <laughs> and you get the benefits. I wow. get the benefit. She gets the spam. So, so that's sign another up your rabbit wife. hole. Sign up your wife. She can get the crap. You can get the benefit. Jesus took our crap and we get the benefit. Oh, oh Jesus juked him right juked at the end. And I'm dabbing. You can't see me, but I just dabbed. He dabbed and we'll catch you next time. All right.